Let me begin by telling a story. Uh, many of you are very familiar with the Pensacola revival that took place. And I had a friend of mine that uh, he took a group down and they were in a van and uh, they kept saying, oh God, we want, we want a move of God. We want an impartation to take place in our life. And there was a little guy, he was probably in his mid-20s, and he was blind. I mean, this guy, he rode all over the city, right down the middle of the road, and everybody knew he was blind, so instead of him getting out of their way, they all got out of his way. He was just that popular, you know? But he was a strong believer in Christ. And so he found out they were going to Pensacola in the midst of that revival. He wanted to go with him. So they go down, and they spend three or four days down there, and nothing happens to them. Nothing. I mean, everybody else, you know, they're coming up, giving testimony, and getting healed. But that whole group, nothing happened. They were talking about it as they're driving back to, the, uh, to their residence. And, and so they were talking and saying, well, I wonder why nothing happened to us. And about that time, here's this little blind guy. All of a sudden, in the back seat, he starts moaning. Oh. They're going, What's, what was that? And he starts moaning some more. Oh. He, then all of a sudden, he, he started going through these contortions, and they pulled the van over, and the glory of God literally filled up the van, and the power of God hit them all. They couldn't even drive down the road because they were out in the Holy Ghost just laughing up a storm. I believe we need to understand that God will touch us whenever, wherever, wherever we are. There was a revival broke out in that region. Man, a, a, two, an a elderly black lady was driving home from the meeting, and she was weaving all over the road. The policeman saw her, pulled her over, thought she was drunk. And she said, officer, I'm drunk, but not on the things that you're thinking of. So he said, well, ma'am, you can't drive in this condition. She said, call my daughter. The daughter came down and said, don't worry about her. She's just drunk in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's some things that God's doing in our midst that we get a hold of that we just know that God is no respecter of persons, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, whether we believe it or not. Oh, how would you like me driving home tonight, man? All of a sudden, you're all over the road, man. You just have to stop because you can't do it. You can't make it home. See, if that happens to you, let me know. All right, okay. Hallelujah. Or when it happens to you. Maybe I should say it that way. Okay, all right. Hallelujah. So tonight, we want to continue on in this first fruits concept because we're talking about first, things that are first. Let me ask you some questions here, and I just want you to think with me just a minute and because I want you to be... to. Um, uh, uh, contemplate where we're going to go tonight. But I want to ask you this question. How many of you find yourself rushing your speech? How many have ever done that? Yeah. You know, how many have been doing it lately? I mean, you just, all of a sudden you find yourself just talking real fast. I mean, you're, just, you're just getting it out of there, you know. Uh, how many of you hurry other people's speech by interrupting them with, uh, uh-huh, um, uh, or by completing the sentences for them. How many find yourself doing that lately? Come on, you've had family over for the week, holidays. How many, how many have been finding yourself doing that lately? All right, okay. How many of this one? How many of you hate to wait in line? How many of you know lines are antichrist systems? How many of you know that, don't you? All right. And they were invented by the military going on, okay. All right. How many of you seem to be short of time to get everything done? Three of you, all right, okay. How many of you detest wasting time? All right, here's another one. How many of you eat fast? Eat fast. You have a shovel method. You know, just as fast as you can, you know. I learned that in the military. When I was in the Army, we had a drill sergeant. Uh, if he ever got in a contest with an ugly stick, he'd lose. 
I mean, he was so ugly, but he saved our life. I, in the long run, I found that out later. And man, he'd come in and he'd say, eat up, boys. You're not in here to enjoy it. You're in here to eat it. Man, we'd eat up fast because now we'd have to low crawl all, all over the place. You know? How many of you drive over the speed limit consistently? You got any policemen here tonight? Okay, moving along. All right. How many of you try to do more than one thing at a time? Man, I tell you, I'm getting 100% correction here. How many of you become impatient if others do something too slowly? I mean, you know, patience is what you want the other guy to have, have when you're on the road. Okay, moving along here. All right. How many of you seem to have little time to relax and enjoy the time of day? <laughs> How many of you feel you're overcommitted? and overwhelmed. How many of you jiggle your knees or tap your fingers, you know, when you're sitting down, you know, that knee just going steady, you know, okay? How many of you think other things during conversations? Like, I wish this guy would hurry up and shut up so I can tell him the truth, what he really needs to hear, you know, that type of thing, you know. Here's another one. How many of you walk fast? Walk fast. My wife, she always wants me to walk with her. Man, I walked with her one time. She was three blocks ahead of me. I said, forget it. I ain't walking with you anymore. You know. How many of you become irritable if you're kept waiting? What's the holdup here? My God. In a time or I mean, good night. What's going on up there? You know. How many of you detest losing in sports and games? How many secondborns do we have here? Raise your hand. If you're a secondborn, raise your hand. Oh, I feel sorry for you. Your whole life's nothing but competition. That's all it is, you know. How many of you find yourself with clenched fist or tight neck or jaw muscles? All the time. Well, that's good. How many of you are competitive people? All right. Now, if I was to give you a sheet of paper with all those questions on them, we would score it. We'd see if you're ready for a nervous breakdown or you're in the val walking through the valley of the shadow of death, somewhere in there, you know, <laughs> and things. So, but uh, but we, would, we would find out some answers there, you know. So, so tonight we want to get into talking about this. I want to talk to you tonight about realignment uh, or should I use the word priorities? Everybody say priorities. priorities. Now, tonight I want to be very practical with you if you would allow me to do that. But before that, I did a little research today, and I found out some things about Pastor Sonny. And uh, I actually got a script from his first sermon that he ever preached. And so I thought this would be good for me to just kind of set everything so you could really figure out how blessed you really are to have such a man that stands every Sunday and preaches to you. So here's how his first message went. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who went down to Jericho and fell on stony ground. The thorn bushes sprang up and nearly choked him half to death. He said, what must I do? Well, I will arise. So he arose and got up in a sycamore tree. He was there three days and three nights when Solomon and his wife Gomorrah came by and helped him down. They took him down to the ark for Moses to take of him. 
But while he was going through the eastern gate of the ark, he caught the hair of his head in the forks of a tree, hung there for 40 days and 40 nights. Then three wise men came to him and took him down to Nineveh. When he arrived in Nineveh, he saw Delilah sitting at a wall. And he shouted, how many times must we chuck her down? Seventy times seven? But he answered, nay, but seventy times seven. So they chucked her down 490 times. She, of course, burst asunder, and they picked up 12 baskets full of fragments that remain. Now I ask you in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? One man said uh, to, the, to the people, he says, folks, I think we ought to have him as our pastor. I know he's awfully young, but my goodness, he sure does know his Bible. <laughs> Medea, there you go. Hallelujah. Now you know something about Pastor Sonny. See, if I'm going to be part of the family, I got to know who Papa is, right? You know, so, so now I know. Well, how many of you know he's come a long ways? And Sister Gloria says, amen. All right, okay. I want you to turn in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to start there tonight, Proverbs 24. And we're going to start with one verse. Because remember now, we said that what we're doing, if we're going to have sustained revival going on in our life, our life cannot be by chance, but it has to be by design. Yes. Okay? And last night, we started laying the foundation of that design. We talked about apostles and prophets being in your life. We talked about the foundational principles out of Hebrews chapter 6, 1 and 2, and others that go along with that in the foundation in your life. And, uh, and so we talked about that. Why? Because if we're going to see a revival, remember, Jesus taught the disciples for three and a half years as the pre-resurrected Christ, but then in Acts chapter 1, he was the resurrected Christ, and they had to learn how to hear his voice as the resurrected king. Are you with me? And so it was a different way of teaching, and he had, they, they had to learn how to connect the Holy Ghost and him, because Acts chapter 1 talks about where Jesus would speak and then the Holy Ghost would speak, and they had to learn how to learn that voice. They had to understand it. And what he was doing and instructing with them is to say, if you would, it's not just waiting in the upper room, but there is a design. Notice what they did. They began to pray. Number one, that's part of the design. Number two, they select another apostle. That why? Because a king has a courtyard or a court of 12 members, and Jesus had 12 members. One of them had gone bad, and so he had to be replaced in order for the government of God to come into place. And so and then in Acts chapter 2, when the design was ready, they were waiting in the upper room as the instructions was there, and guess what happened? Here comes the Holy Ghost birthing the church out of a governmental order that began to impact all those nations. Is that too much out of one voice? Right, Y'all are kind of sitting there looking at me like you're stunned. It's right in the Bible. It's right there. So, so we're designing. What we want is a design that this will be a house of revival, continual revival, not an event revival, but a continual revival that the, we can't get enough of what God has for us. Now, in Proverbs Chapter 24, verse 27, here's the principle we're going to start with. It says in verse 27, prepare your work without and make it fit for yourself in the field 
and afterward build your house. Now, Proverbs 24 and verse 27, let me read it from the Amplified because this is where the concept of first comes in. So in, in Proverbs 24, verse 27, in the Amplified Version, it says this, put first things first. I mean, that's a good thing to do. I mean, you know, don't put the last thing first. How many of you have ever, how many of you got boxes with stuff in it at Christmas? And it was for your kids. The grandparents would always send a box for what the kids wanted, and I was the one who had to put it together. And I always started with the last thing and put it together and put it in the first. And how many of you know that doesn't work? Because mechanic, I am not. AutoZone is not the place I hang out. You understand that? Okay, O'Reilly's, you know, I thought it was an Irish pub. That's all I knew about O'Reilly's. Then I found out it was an auto parts place. A mechanic, I'm not. But notice he says in the Amplified, put first things first. Prepare your work outside. Get it ready for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house and establish a home. Beautiful. Now, how many of you know, I don't know if they still do this or not because I haven't had to deal with it in a number of years, but in the early days, my front tires were always wearing on the inside. Do you remember that? When you'd take your car and you'd, 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 you'd head down the road and you'd get so many miles on it and you look and the wear was always on the inside. And, and, if you, and sooner or later, that car was going to do what? It was going to get out of what we call an alignment. It would get out of alignment. So you'd have to take it in. And the thing that they would tell you is, we can't get this in alignment because it is, uh, the tires are worn, and so you're going to need new tires. Well, that's, that's what they told me. Because they knew I wasn't an auto mechanic. They wanted to sell tires. And they knew they got another sucker to do it. You know, so here I come. So I said, what causes the wear? What is causing that to happen? They said, well, you live in Montgomery County, don't you? I said, yes, I do. And he said, it's the way they build the roads. The way they build the roads cause that wear on the inside that would cause the car to get out of alignment. Let me say this to you. Whenever trouble comes in your life, and it's pretty much, I would say, almost every time. I'm not going to go deep on you with that. But somewhere along the line, there's, whenever th trouble starts heading your way, we can call it an attack, but the reason the attack there is because somewhere your line of authority has gotten blurred or it's gotten out of alignment. Are you with me? See, and so, so what do we do when that gets out? Instead of coming back under the lines of authority, what happens to us is we begin to start blaming it on the devil or blaming it on somebody else or blaming it on our parents the way we were raised. We start looking for an ex excuse. But the reality is, is that you can't blame it on anybody but yourself because the alignment of God's authority does not change. And we're going to see that tonight. All right? And so the first thing that you do is find out where is the line of authority. That's the first thing. We find that line of authority, all of a sudden now, you can start establishing some priorities. If you don't know that line of authority, guess what? You're going to struggle because you'll try to set up priorities and they still don't work. They still don't work. That's why we're talking about first things this month. All right? Now look at this. If, let's, let's just pretend 
you have six months to live. Name five things that you would like to accomplish. You don't have to answer that right now, but I want you to just think about it. If you had six months to live, what would be your five things that you wanted to accomplish before you, and you knew it? See? See, there's one man in the Bible that knew how long he was going to live. That was a guy called Simeon. Why? Because Simeon knew that he was not going to die until he saw the consolation of Israel, and that was the Messiah. So how would you like to have that in your, in your coffer? Well, you're going to live here, and until you see this, that's when you're going to die. He says, man, glory to God, I'm ready to go on now. I've seen it. But if you had six months to live, what were five things that you would want to accomplish? Here's another question. Let's pretend you just won $10 million. After you get Terry half of it, what, would, what are five things that you want to accomplish with the rest of it? What are five things? You see. Get it back from Terry. <laughs> no, I didn't say I was giving my money to you. All right, you know. But, but the reality is, is that the question, why I ask that question is because the more we come into alignment with God, the, the reality is, is that you can begin to do those things right now. You're waiting for an external situation to happen in your life before you ever take the first step of what God wants you to do to accomplish those things in your life. Are you with me? All right, now look at this. First things, or let's use this, core values. Core values. What, what are values? Let me say this. Just write this down. This is very important. Core values come out of unchanging principles. Principles. Values, what we have done today is we've shifted values based on philosophy, or we've shifted based on the culture, or we've shifted based on the attitude of the world, and all that's just the way the world is today. How many of you know if Moses lived by the principles of God, if Abraham lived by the principles of God, if Jesus lived by the principles of God, if Paul lived by the principles of God, don't you think that we can live by the principles of God? Because the Word of God, is the, is, it doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our values are, should be based on something that never changes. Never changes, you see. But values change. They'll change with society. They'll change with the culture. They'll change with attitudes. They'll change with education. They'll change. But, but you still, in our life as a believer, we simply go back to the, the, the unchanging principles of God's Word. And when you go back to those unchanging principles and base your life on it, He will always give you godly values, the core values you need for your life. Remember last night we talked about building our house on a rock. Okay, that's unchanging principles. Isn't it interesting that almost, that I, I'm just thinking of this, that almost every letter that Paul wrote, he wrote about the unchanging principles about values in their life. Why? Because he understood that in the things that were going on in the environment around them and the culture that was around them, just the Roman Empire and the Jewish concept and Judaism and all that kind of stuff, he understood that if they based their values on the conditions of the environment, they were going to be in serious trouble. And whenever the churches got in trouble, it's because they started listening to the environment values and not the unchanging values of God, principles of God's Word. I mean, you know, this Word is with us forever. The one that's written and the one that's not written, it's still with us forever. All right, now look at this. They are the guiding rule for living successfully with others. 
They are the bottom line for victorious spiritual life. The world, the flesh, and the devil are all masterfully crafty at distracting us and causing us to lose our grasp on the first things that we should live by. And if we allow second things to become first things, we will lose both the second and the first things. We will lose it all. So we've got to get a hold of these first things that God established within his words. Now, here's the principle. It's the order of first things. Write that down. The order of first things. Notice the priorities that are presented in this verse. I love it. Well, first of all, let's say this. Write down Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Here's Paul's. Paul understood this principle. I love this. How many of you know Paul was not good at math? How many of y'all know God, Paul's not good at math? It's right in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, this one thing I do, and then he names two. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? You know, he goes, listen, this one thing I do, he said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind, and he said, I'm reaching forth to the things that are ahead. In other words, I'm always, listen to me, you're always adjusting your priorities. Anybody that goes way off extreme, that is not an adjustment. That's a leap of stupidity. You see, you understand this. Please get this. The church is, is an organization, but it's also an organism. And an organism is always breathing. So it is expanding and it's contracting. It's expanding and it's contracting. There's times when there's a lot going on. There's times when nothing's going on. Why? Because it's breathing. It's a, you've got to get a hold of that. Because there's times when, man, it seems like, wow, the house is full and everybody's excited. But then all of a sudden, we're, you know, it starts contracting now. What are, we, what are we doing wrong? What's going on with us? No, we're breathing. We're an organism. 